Hey guys, this is Lavetta. This is Miriam. And this is Notorious Women Podcast, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. That's right. Yes. How you doing, my friend? I'm hanging in there. I'm good. I'm good. But I'm tired. I am too. Yeah, me too. Me too. But it's good. uh, It's good. Yeah, I need a vacation for like a month. Which is not going to happen. You do. Like, no. I do. So, but I am excited about this week, like every week, uh, mm. because I think we've been getting some really good feedback on our episodes of yeah, season we have. three. Okay. Uh, well, that's right. A lot of people <laughs> love it. Um, a lot of foolishness. The great thing about what we do on this podcast is that we, we will never run out of notorious women. No, it's very, very true. Like yep. there's, it's the, the, you know, how do you choose? How do you, how do you pick out of so many? Like it's too many, but that's okay. It's too many. It's that's too okay. many. In, it's too many in a good way, you know, yeah. you or know, a bad point, way, depending on the woman, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, the thing is, is that because of like some women are actually quote unquote bad and some are, are good, but are notorious because people hate them for being good. Uh, right. So that's that's the thing, right? It's um, just it's why it works. It's why the word works. Yes. All hail yes. the bitches, you know. All hail the bitches, and I, you know, at some point we're gonna have to do Hillary Clinton. You know that, right? I do know that. Is yeah. today the day? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying, like, <laughs> like at some point, like, I yeah, either I true. or you have to pull that trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, I yeah. know. I actually thought about that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. She's looking at me like, you want to do it? No, I feel like (laughs) what I love about that, though, is that like there's some like, you know, there's like, you know, the Bell Gunnesses of the world. There's Lizzie Borden. Like those are the obvious ones that like everyone's done. Like, you know, we obviously put our own spin on it. But I also like to cover women that people don't automatically think of or helping people discover new Mm -hmm. women, you know? Yes. That's I mean, you know me. I love a 16th century woman. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I you know, and I like a a Victorian murderess. That that's you do? my that's yes, my sweet girl. spot. Yes, it does. But but um I think we should get started. And I believe, let me just double check. I think I have this no week, idea. You are first, my friend. Yes, okay. this week you are first. So who's your notorious woman for me this week? Okay, so I'm like a little bit timely. This week, I'm going to talk about Fran Drescher. Oh, mm-hmm. the nanny. The nanny. My the Jewish nanny. sister uh. from a very different mister. I, she's very fascinating. As you know, like if, if you don't, she is the head of um, SAG-AFTRA. She's the president. And so we've, you know, seen a lot of, you know, videos of her talking and fighting for, and I, I, I thought she would be an interesting person to like, from my point of view, the nanny is now the president of SAG-AFTRA. That was my <laughs> point of view. <laughs> so I was 
like that's a good good pov i think i, I mean think ca- kind one. of i was yeah. like get it fran fine but it turns out <laughs> that maybe there's like more to the story okay yeah, yeah. um so let's start so listen i'm pretty sure we're related we just don't know it she was born in queens new york like of half course my you're related. family obviously yes. obviously I, like second or third cousin yeah. you know third cousin twice removed but probably <laughs> probably i'm right about that honestly <laughs> probably <laughs> listen she doesn't call she doesn't write it's fine um <laughs> I forgive you, Fran. All right. So she was born September 30th, 1957. Oh, Let me she's just a say Libra. she's a Libra, which, and so am I. So we're the same. Um, <laughs> her mother was named Sylvia, who was a bridal consultant. Her father's named Morty, who was a naval systems analyst. Okay. If you watch The Nanny, those are the names of her parents in the show. Love it so hard. Right. That. Oh, Sylvia, I can't, I can't really do it. Um, so she's Jewish. Uh, if you didn't know, but like we all knew. Uh, and so her maternal great grandmother, did you watch the nanny? Of course I'd watch the nanny. Okay. Like, do you remember Yetta? What? Franny. She was this oh, tiny yes. woman. Yes. Her grandma was called Yetta too. Okay. Oh, I love it. So her, her grand, her, her Yetta was born in Romania and had immigrated to the United States. Her father's family came from Poland. My grandfather's family also came from Poland. Again, we're the same. Um, she was <laughs> a first runner-up for Miss New York Teenager in 1973. Uh, and she went to Hillcrest High School in Jamaica, Queens, where she met her future husband, Peter Mark Jacobson. She also met Ray Romano. Right? No. Yes. They went to high oh, school together. Cool. I know, right? Um, so she married Peter in 1978 when she was 21. So before that, they both went to Queens College, uh, City University of New York. My, By the way, side note, my aunt worked for Queens College for many years. So, and like when I was a kid, like I remember going on the campus with her. So it's kind of like I went to college with Fran Drescher. That's Kate? exactly what it is. I That's just, ex- yeah, yeah, I agree. I appreciate yes your and. understanding. Yes yeah. and. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for yes ending that. I really appreciate it. Okay. Um, so she dropped out in the first year because quote all the acting classes were filled, end quote. But then she went on to cosmetology school. Okay. Um, Actor cosmetology. I'm sorry to you interrupt know, you. Same thing. Same thing. I mean, I want to play for a living, you know? And then you play in people's hair or on their faces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, make people beautiful. Pretty sure you and I couldn't relate to that more. Um, No, I never want to touch anybody's hair. No. (laughs) Hard pass. Hard pass. Okay. Yeah. I like hair. I think it's fun. Okay. All right. I'm not going to go. You can't touch my hair. Okay. Put it that way. No. No. Yeah. (laughs) Go to the professionals for that. Fine. Exactly. Okay. So her first break was a small role as dancer Connie in the movie Saturday Night Fever in 1977. And she had, I think it was a very famous line. I'm not even sure, but it sounds like it should be. She said, quote, 
So are you as good in bed as you are on the dance floor to John Travolta? Okay, like... I mean, that's that movie, cool. notwithstanding that movie being very problematic. Uh, yes. Have you seen it recently? Not recently. I saw it recently. I forgot. And there's a full on like rape scene, like gang rape scene, like towards the end. And oh, they shit. treat it in the car and they treat oh, it like God. it's not a big deal. <laughs> You're just like, I'm remembering this now. Yeah. You're right. Yep. Oh, my God. Yep. No, I maybe blacked it out. I don't know. Uh, I, I think I had I did, too, because then I watched it like during the I, pandemic again. And I was like, what the fuck? Wow. <laughs> I, I only like I only remember the end. I'm going to give it away where I was. I remember being young and being like, I don't understand. John Travolta wasn't nearly as good as that black man <laughs> who's amazing. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, sense, but- right. Yes, Miriam. Yeah, oh, honey. Yeah. I was like, oh, mm. but that's a good line. That's I think a good I remember line, that lady. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so a year later, she began to gain attention in a bunch of different films. I'll go through some of them. So, American Hot Wax, Summer of Fear. She did a dramatic role in the movie Ragtime, and then she started doing character actor parts in Gorp, Hollywood Nights, Doctor Detroit, The Big Picture, UHF, Cadillac Man. This is Spinal Tap, which is awesome. No, they, she's in This is Spinal she's Tap. She's in This is Spinal which means I have to watch it again. Obviously. Uh, yeah, an excuse to watch This I is mean, Spinal Tap. So <laughs> an excuse. So I remember good. watching that as a really little kid and being like, so are they going on tour? Because <laughs> it's done so real. You think it's it real is. at first. You're like, but they're kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but it's that I... You know, every, so I mean, when you're a kid, everyone's ridiculous, right? Yes. So you're just like, okay, I'd go see so them. Good. Um, she also gets starred in Who's the Boss, Night Court, and Alf. No idea. I love it. Of course she did, because that's very 80s. So 80s. Like, so 80s. All of that. The best of the 80s. Did you watch the yeah. new Night Court? Did I ask you this already? You have, and I haven't watched it yet. I haven't gotten to it. I heard it's really good. Hurry up. Um, I'm waiting. But you know the it's best so of that bunch is Alf. Alf See, is number know. one forever. Okay. okay. Even what? though he was always trying to eat cats. Uh, okay. Alf is number Listen, one. Listen, Lavetta. yes and. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on. <laughs> I'm not going to break your heart right now. I'm not going to do it. I love it. I love it. I appreciate that. Uh-huh. You got it. You got it, girl. That's what friends for are for. That's right. That's right. Who else is going to agree to that? Anyways. Uh- <laughs> All right. So let's get serious for a moment. So I don't know if people know this. A, a very traumatic thing happened to her uh, in 1985 where sh- she was attacked in her home with her husband uh, at gunpoint, they were broken to her apartment. Uh, trigger warning. You can fast forward yeah. a bit if oh. you'd like. Um, she was raped along with her friend who was there too. Her husband was beaten and he was made to witness. Awful, awful, awful. Oh. So that took her many years to recover and and many years even that to to tell the story, which I think the fact that she even told the story once uh, is incredibly brave. Um, absolutely. Oh, and, uh, 
she talked to Larry King about it and, and said that um, essentially she said that she found ways to turn uh, bad things into something positive. And the, you know, it's terrible, but the good news is her, her rapist did in fact go back to prison. He was on parole um, and stayed there. Uh, so that did happen. And then in 1993, we're going back to the good stuff. She created the nanny Yay. with her husband. Mm -hmm. uh, it aired on CBS from 1993 to 1999. She became an instant star. I love her so much. Um, it's so good. I mean, you guys, you guys know the nan. If you don't, I think it holds up. I really do. Yeah. I think it's still. And she's it was, delightful. She's delightful. And it was really yeah. neat as a kid. Like representation matters. Like, like, yeah, we are like, Jews are a little loud. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's true. So it was like neat to see that, you know, the sort of exaggerated version of yeah, yeah. all of my cousins, you know, <laughs> And that laugh. She had that signature laugh. Hey. I know. Oh my God. I, honestly, like I forgot about the laugh. Oh so my great. God. And you do it really so well. Because she, she's really gorgeous. Like she's really, really beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. And she, and her character is like very like down to earth, working class. And then yes. she has that laugh. But because it's her, she's so delightful. It's great. I And I love that she played a woman who was very much herself. She, in the entire series, she never changed who she was. She never, this is not Pygmalion or whatever the musical version of that. I totally forgot. I am that My much Fair Lady theater. Pygmalion. Thank you. Same thing. Right. It's the same thing. Um, but I couldn't really sing in high school, and so I liked Pygmalion better. Um, and so it's very, it's great. She stayed herself. Anyways, good, good lessons. Um, so also fun fact. So she went to high school with Ray Romano. There is an episode of the show where the character Ray Barone from, uh, everybody loves Raymond, uh, meets her at their 20th high school reunion in Aww. the show, the nanny. So there's an episode where there's the 20th high school reunion and she goes and Ray Barone is also there. And I love it so much. That's so cool. Right. Love it. Um, so she also did more movies in the 90s. She was in Jack, Beautician, and The Beast. I remember that. And uh, a Woody Allen movie in 2000 called Picking Up the Pieces. So in 1996, her and her husband divorced, or separated, and then they divorced in 1999. They never had any children. Um, he basically came out of the closet. He is a gay man. Um, but they basically stayed best friends, which... I think is the Which most beautiful, I love. I like, love right? It's the most beautiful love story. Like, oh, love it. You know? Yes. Um, th and they're business partners still. They still do work together. Um, so in June of 2000, after two years of symptoms and misdiagnoses, uh, she was diagnosed with uterine cancer. She had to have a rattle, radical hysterectomy and was declared cancer-free after that. Um, so she wrote about these experiences in her book, Cancer Schmancer. I remember that book. Um, and she wanted, she wrote it to bring awareness to the early warning signs of cancer, which I, I love that. Like she, she does, uh, 
She does the work, you know. In June of 2007, she announced the national launch of the Cancer Schmancer Movement, which was a nonprofit organization dedicated to ensuring that all women's cancers be diagnosed while in stage one, um, which is the most curable stage. She says that her goal is to live in a time when women's mortality rates drop as their healthcare improves and early de- cancer detection increases. So these efforts um, as an outspoken healthcare advocate in Washington, D.C., helped get unanimous passage for a bill, H.R. 1245, which is also known as Joanna's Law, um, and she's acknowledged in the congressional record for this. So I'm not wow, exactly sure the specifics cool. of it, but it, it, it to promote women's health. I love that. Um, and in September 2008, she was appointed as a U.S. diplomat by... Um, the administration's assistant secretary of state, Goli Ameri. Her official title was public diplomacy envoy for women's health issues. So she traveled the world. Um, she supported U.S. public diplomacy efforts, including working with health organizations and women's group to raise awareness of women's health issues, cancer awareness and detection, and patient empowerment and advocacy. Uh, her first trip was in late September. She stopped in Romania, Hungary, Serbury, and Serb, Serbury, Serbia, and Poland. Um, so in 2008, she supported Hillary Clinton for the Democratic Party presidential nomination. Um, and she said that she considered a run for the United States Senate in 2008 to succeed Hillary Clinton, but she ultimately decided against it. Really? I didn't know oh. any of this. I didn't either. She's wow. living like a whole life. Like yeah. nobody knew. Um, she was also in the 2000s. She was still doing television. She did. She played. Um, uh, she played in a. Sh- uh, there was a show called Living with Fran. Where did you know this? There were two seasons of it. Uh, she no, played a middle aged mother of two. And Charles Shaughnessy, who played her, I think Maxwell was the father's name, Mm -hmm. played her like deadbeat ex-husband in that show, which I I find hilarious. Um, She was uh, in Law and Order, Entourage, The Simpsons. She had, um, she tried to do the Fran Drescher talk show, like T-A-W-K. Talk. Talk. Talk show. Talk show. The free and Russia talk show. Okay. Yeah. No one, no one needs to hear that again. Um, and then in 2011, she created Happily Divorced, which was based on her life of marrying a man who turned out to be gay. Um, and it was a good show and it had 34 episodes. It was like one season Whoa. and then like a second season. And then they added on to the second season. Okay. So it was... It did okay. It did better. I don't want to say like it was two seasons because it was like, it was like, it was like three seasons. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like, I love Lucy and then Lucille Ball show. It's like, you know what I mean? Right. There's nothing as like iconic as I love Lucy, but. But still. You still love Lucy. So. Like. We love Fran. We still still love love Fran. Exactly. Um, She was on Broadway as well. Did you know this? 
I did she, not know this. I'm getting very New York talking about Fran Drescher. I don't know why. <laughs> What's happening to my voice? Um, she played the fairy godmother in Cinderella. Aww, she did. She had a ten week stint on Broadway, and then she did, I think, another ten week stint in L.A. during the national tour. Uh, she was in the play Love, Loss, and What I Wore by Nora Ephron, and she was also in Camelot. Both were off Broadway. It's like oh. the kind of off Broadway that actors can only dream about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. When we say off Broadway, off Broadway is a big fucking deal. So just big know that. fucking deal. I once I, got an audition for an off Broadway show, and that was like enough to like fill me yeah. with joy that I got an yeah. audition for it. I did not exactly. get it. Just <laughs> if anyone's wondering. Was it a straight play or a musical? It was definitely a straight play. Musicals okay. and I are, I love musicals. I do. And I love to sing and dance, but you know, I didn't really train intensely in that. And so you, there's only so many levels up. You it's can a skill go to it. Yeah. It's skill. Musical theater. Oh yeah. Um, so in 20, speaking of musical theater, in 2020, okay, they announced the musical of The Nanny in the works. No. Rachel Bloom is one of the writers, and I'm oh. so ready. I'm ready for that. I'm That's ready for that. Flying, flying to New York. Or maybe they should oh, like yeah. run it in La Jolla, and I can go see it. <laughs> just, I'm just New throwing York, it out there. La Jolla. <laughs> It's yeah, the same. same thing. It's the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Playhouse, they have some, you know, pre-Broadway sh- runs. Yeah, no, you're right. No, you're mm-hmm. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm not shading La Jolla. And they they asked if she'd play the, the role of the nanny. She said they'd have to rename it the granny. <laughs> <laughs> Love her. Um, so in 2021, we're all waiting for this. She began her campaign to become president of the SAG after a union. Um, she cited both her entertainment and her political background. Um, her candidacy came from the, quote, Unite for Strength faction, and she ran against actor Matthew Modine. On September 2nd, 2021, SAG-AFTRA announced that Drescher had won the election. On July 13th, 2023, we probably already know this, uh... After SAG-AFTRA members overwhelmingly voted to authorize a strike action a week prior, she announced that the SAG-AFTRA strike was to begin at midnight the following day, running alongside the concurrent WGA strike that just began, that began like around two months ago, two, two and a half months ago, something like that. Uh, yeah. At this point, when this comes out, yeah, it'd be about like... Yeah, two and a yeah. half months. And so like when this comes out, I don't know what's actually going to be in hopefully the there's a resolution i mean hopefully you know we're close um, to resolution i mean she's and she's like if you google her she's fighting the good fight i will say oh yeah oh yeah um some of the things that they are trying to implement are, are kind of terrifying yeah um so i'm i i feel like i feel good a little that they're doing this as opposed to agreeing to you know yeah. some of this I mean, I mean you know the ai crap like seriously no you cannot take my picture and then use it for eternity no thank you no unless you're gonna pay my ass for eternity you want to pay me two hundred thousand dollars <laughs> then yeah. i will i will mo- i will let's go let's go because <laughs> people don't understand like like that's what residuals are for yes. the continued use 
of a performer's likeness. <laughs> like that's why yeah. we get residuals. Like you, let's say commercials. That's the easiest one for people to understand. You do a commercial, you get paid that session fee, but you make most of your money from the residuals. Yeah. Also then help you qualify for health insurance and pension and all that other stuff. So that is what residuals are for the use of my likeness, my image, Uh my voice continuously every time you show it. So if you're going to just like take one thing and use it in perpetuity and not pay me, no. Yeah, that's insane. Like that's the thing I think is so important to realize. Like I, I think there's a slight misconception that people in SAG are all very, very rich and there's a large percentage of people who are, but that large percentage is about 14%. So that's a lot. Even if that you know, amount, like... If, if that. But it's something like 86% of people in the union make under $27,000 a year. Like they don't would, meet yeah. their health insurance requirements. Yeah, even less than that. And I think people don't understand yeah. that residuals is the way that actors make a living so like it's not the session fee or like the you know the and i think people have a misconception like oh they're making friends money or like yeah like seinfeld money and it's like no but those people still get a residual Mm -hmm. even though seinfeld's been over 20 years now like yeah they're probably getting checks i mean they earned it I mean, the th- yeah. the thing is, most most actors you see in every sort of media does not make a lot of money. Right. Most of the actors you see on the screens, right? Like you yeah. watch a Marvel movie and you're like, those people, they got a Marvel movie. Yeah, they're still struggling. Yeah. Unless they're you're making the money for that unless movie, you, unless they're yes. unless you're Thor, you know, right? Your name, if, and then you're making money from that, and you're making money from. Uh, endorsements exactly but they also like they work really hard it's a hustle game it's a hustle game and keep in mind it's like it's like the uh nba or the nfl yeah the players are making a lot of money but you know who really making money the owners the owners (laughs) yeah they are and you could be dropped from a team they could pull your contract like you don't have a lot of and also if you like in that regard, you only have a certain period of time in which to yeah. play, right? Yep. And then you have another 40, 50 years to live <laughs> yep. and you yep. you can't make that kind of money. So, you know, and it's also, you, yeah, you give average, and you take, yeah. but like why, why are we in a society that does not honor artists? I don't understand. Like, you... We're all, everything we do, like look at quarantine. What did we do in quarantine? We watched those artists. That's all we could I do. <laughs> like without that, we would have gone insane. We'd have lost our minds. We would have we gone insane. And actually, yeah. I just wanted to. So they said the average yearly income for an actor in SAG is $40,000 a year, which is below 30% below. Is forty thousand dollars a year, which is thirty wow. percent below the national average. Yeah, it's it's so that's low. why they're striking for residuals and things like that. So and just they, keep that in. They mind. earn it. They yeah. fight for it. Yeah, yeah. So so, anyways, Fran is fighting the good fight. We love and her. watch her Nanny. her her. I saw her thing. Maybe I'll post it on Instagram. I might have already done it. I'll do it again. 
um, her speech about like that. I'm hoping I have a lot of hope for this strike because I hope it lends itself to all the corporations who are trying to nickel and dime their lowest workers while the CEOs are making literal billions. Yeah. It's like, we got to stop the Gilded Age from, you know, like we're already in it. Let's like stop it, you know? And just so you guys know, uh, to reiterate, in the Gilded Age, they did not pay income taxes. Nope. That's why they could build mansions of literal (laughs) gold. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, unbelievably unnecessary. Okay, while other people are starving. No, Like mansions that take up the the size of a a New York City Listen, make your damn money and pay your damn taxes, and I don't care. But you want to play with those taxes and you want to keep making money while you step on everyone else? No, I care. Then I will care. Then I will care. America. We got to pay. Well, that is, of course, we love Fran Drescher. Like some of that stuff I I knew, some of it I didn't. So thank you so much for sharing that (laughs) with us. That was a nice inspirational story that gets us ready for um, Uh, not such a... (laughs) Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to need your help here because okay. I'm actually, uh, so my notorious woman this week is a woman by the name of Sister Ping. Sister Ping. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now some of the major sources uh, that I used uh, for the story today uh, comes from uh, Ch- Chinatown Gang Wars, okay. uh, which is like a, a, a YouTube channel about these different uh Stories, gang stories. Um, a uh, the Underworld podcast, okay, um, and a book uh, by Patrick Radden Keefe's Pat Patrick Radden Keefe. He he wrote a book in two thousand nine called The Snakehead. So those oh. are my main sources, but there are a lot of other okay. sources. But those are three main sources. So, Sister Ping. Now let's start this story on June sixth, nineteen ninety three. Okay, in Queens, New York. I had a feeling. Uh, far Rockaway, I should say. Okay. Uh, That's Queens. A cargo ship. I always get that confused, but June 6, 1993, where a cargo ship by the name of the Golden Venture has run aground. Okay. So there's chaos. There's all this stuff. People are confused. What is going on? And when the dust settles, what they find are 286 human beings on board. <gasps> Oh. And they find out that they're being transported illegally into the country. Okay. Right? Like I said, there's all this chaos. Some of the uh, passengers were jumping off, trying to swim away because they Ooh. were they were terrified. They ran aground. Yeah. Um, and and then the, the officials, everybody's just trying to figure out what's going on. Is it like an accident? What is going on? Right. Um, so it was, like I said, it was chaos. And some of the people were jumping off of the ship into the cold water. Um probably trying to escape but probably just like because they think maybe the ship is going to go down so they're terrified uh but once the the dust settles and the water settles authorities identify uh the ship's basically leader like criminal leader that's sort of running everything on this voyage by the name of guo liang chi and they begin to question uh chi and chi is like i don't know nothing about nothing because he's like, I'm true. I'm a, I'm a true OG. And then they're like, uh, this is how much time you're facing. He was like, oh, see, what had happened was he started singing like a motherfucking bird. Okay. 
<laughs> she's like, say less. I have a name for you. So <laughs> he fingers a woman by the name of Sister Ping. Oh. And he tells them that she's a Chinese businesswoman and she is responsible for all of this. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. So now Sister Ping was born Ching Chu uh, Ping or Ah Ping on January 9th, 1949 to Ching Chai Lung, a peasant farmer for, from the village of, of, from a village in the Fujian, uh, province in China. Okay. Her mother, I couldn't find her mother's name, which, uh, you know. Well, that's because she's a woman. Misogyny, I know. Um, yeah. and it could be that they were trying to protect her for the reasons that. Oh, yeah, clear. fair. Yeah. Okay. So she, so her mother was from the neighboring village. Um, now, when Sister Ping was about 10 months old, the People's Republic of China was formed. Oh, okay. Because again, it's 49. Right. So with the Mao Cultural Revolution as a backdrop, life was very dangerous and difficult. Okay. Yeah. Um, in search of a better life and a way to help his family, her father, uh, Ching Chai uh, Lung, smuggled himself was smuggled into the u.s in the 1960s when he was okay. a teenager so he he so he, he entered the the u.s like working or you know onto a ship working and then once he got here he stayed that's usually how a lot of that happens yes yes um and he stayed and then he would work and then send money back home yeah um he actually stayed until 1977 so wow it's a long yeah. time and he left when she was like a teenager, like around 13, 14. Um, so he stayed a long time, um, at which point he was he, he was just deported because it was discovered that he was there illegally. And so he wow. was deported. So he came back to their village in um, the Fujian um, uh, district uh, okay. in China. And once he settled in, he began like he loved the u.s so he always talked he always talked about how much he loved it how much progress is there and again this is mao china not today's right china. right um so he actually began smuggling people from his town his village uh out of china into the u.s okay. so he got into the smuggling business now side note people yeah. who are smuggled because these are human beings but people yes, who are, are smuggled are in this sort of context are called snakes Oh. And people who smuggle them, the smugglers, are called snake heads. So the, okay. the the head of the the so you know how like in I think with like South America they're called coyotes or yes. coyotes. Yes. In this context, they're called snake heads. So I had no idea. I I'm learning either. a lot. Wow. Me too. I, this was great. So now, growing up, Sister Ping uh, worked on the family farm and developed a sense of hard work. So she was just like very. Like, got to work hard, you know, communist, you know, ideology. Like, I work hard, it'll work. But she also developed an even harder, like, shell and sense okay. of, like, just harshness. Um, okay. So as a child, uh, she became a leader of a local Red Guard. Now, basically, the Red Guards were these, <laughs> these, like, different groups of, like, young, very young, like, teenage Chinese kids going around harassing people. Oh, uh, who they thought were disloyal to the party or who had the 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 who had the mildest offense of wearing Western clothing or being a teacher. So it's kind of like a, a, a party gang. 
Yeah, they're gay. Yeah, okay. exactly. And these are like teenage teenagers. So yeah. immature and like, and they started harassing people and they actually even began killing people because they got shit. drunk. Yeah, there's a whole like controversy. That's a whole side story. Okay. Um, so in fact, these red guards, their uh, activities were so heinous that that after a while, uh, they became a nuisance to the Communist Party, and the Communist Party oh. eventually disavowed their antics. Okay. But during this time when they were running rampant throughout the countryside and, and in small villages, up to two million people were killed. Holy shit. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, yeah that's a whole nother story. What? Like that, the Red Guard. Yeah. Yeah. These are, and it was committed by teenagers, like actual teenagers. Oh, damn. We do not talk about this because I did not no. know this. Okay. So well, now we do. Now we know. Now we do. Um, and so she was the leader in her local area uh, of the Red Guards. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if she killed okay. nobody, but I can see her being like <laughs> smacking people around like, bitch, what did I say? No, I'm just saying. I don't know if she said that. <laughs> I'm just like verbatim. Know. At least that sounds funny. Yeah. Uh, now, in 1969, when she was about 20, she married a man by the name of uh, Chung Yet Tan, and they moved to Hong Kong, where the Fujinese were considered like a lower class. Basically, they were considered like country bumpkins. Okay. And the Cantonese were treated were were treated better as more cosmopolitan, okay. a higher class. Um, so she experienced for the first time like uh, social discrimination okay you know on a vast scale so but she you know she's a hard worker so um she now eventually the couple would have about four children they would have four children so at this time she had already had her daughter probably had another kid so they had mouths to feed and these are basically peasant farmers right they aren't like educated people so in their mind is like we can only get ahead if we work hard um, so she worked tirelessly. She was always a hard worker to make a living. And by, uh, about 10 years later, by 1979 at age 30, she opened, uh, she had opened up a garment factory just across uh, from Hong Kong on the mainland. Oh, okay. So, you know, she's at least making a living. It's yeah, not like, she's got a business. Yeah. Now, by this time, her father was back, like I said already, and he had already right. began smuggling people and doing his side hustle of, of being a snakehead. It's just, you know, sort of low level, like a couple people here and there. Um, and again, he continued to talk about how wonderful America was and how about all the opportunities. Um, so she was thinking she got a little bit intrigued. So she's like, huh, I want to see it for myself. Okay. So she sets out to get there herself and through her contacts, because again, she's a local businesswoman, through her contacts, she managed to get a job as a nanny with a family uh, in New York City. But they traveled through oh. Canada and they okay. settled in Manhattan in 1981. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So she's 31 uh, or 32. And so now once she leaves. settles in, she just, she just leaves. Okay. Well, because her father's like, there's all this possibility. There's all this, like, you know, uh, opportunity. So she uh, so she comes in under the guise of being a nanny, but she settles in and she she opens up a um, it's kind of like a pop up store by the name. If you've ever been to like Chinatown, um, you have like these small like sort of like, you know, they have the gates. They're, they're basically like, um, oh, God, what do you call them? Like uh 
kind of like a kiosk, like oh. it'd be like small Lord of uh, kind of kiosk that yes. you bring the shutters down. Um, so like it's kind of like that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. If you've ever been to uh, probably any Chinatown, but especially Chinatown, like a mini, a mini store, a mini store. Yeah. yeah. So she opened up a store uh, by the name of Takshun Variety Store. It is sold like clothing and simple goods, kind of like a dollar store, it sounds like. Okay. Um, that caters specifically for her people, the Fujianese community. Okay. Question. Uh, is she nannying anybody? She what it's it was hard to tell. I feel I feel like she hustled both for a while and then once okay. she started making money in her store because she also had a third job. She uh she was working in a restaurant. It's hard to figure out if mm-hmm. she was working in the restaurant and then she eventually bought it or maybe it was like again another pop-up shop like where she just she started a, a restaurant that was downstairs from the store uh, oh, that also yeah, yeah, yeah. S- sold like Fujinese cuisine such as oyster cakes and fishball soup okay that sounds good so and again the whole cantonese versus fujinese versus other people like it's the same thing again the fujinese i think are considered and 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 listeners please tell me if i'm wrong but i feel like they were kind of considered like country bumpkins like they're in the rural part like not as sophisticated as people from like hong kong or the cantonese i've literally never heard the term fujinese before so yeah, so I think that's the sense I get that it's, okay. it's kind of like that kind of thing. Um, let's bring it. So, let's bring it back into our in, into our verbiage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she worked long hours in the store, and then she would go downstairs to the restaurant, like I said, and would sell these things. So she was rising and grinding. Basically, she was a hard, yeah. hard fucking worker. Um, and according to most people, she had a very unassuming appearance, and she could be easily mistaken for like a recent arrival. Okay. Present. Okay. Like, cause she wore probably simple clothes, you know, she's probably stacking her paper, as they mm-hmm. say, stacking her money and she got mouths to feed, you know, she's yeah. here. She's like, I didn't come here to fuck around. I came here to get this money. Um, so even though Sister Ping may have looked lower class, mm-mm, she's like, bitches, I'm trying to upgrade my life. Okay. <laughs> so... But this is an interesting, so I just want to take a moment here. Like we talk about the American dream. Um, And I know a lot of uh, recent immigrants have this and they buy into it. And to a certain extent, it is somewhat true. But what is not true is that working hard is not enough to succeed. I mean, I come from people who learned that the very hard way, (laughs) you know, a lot of times it's, it becomes generational. You yeah. work harder than any than anyone who comes from privilege, like ever. And you just yeah. do it because you're hoping your kids or at least your grandkids will have hope. Yeah. So they don't you have know? to work as hard as you and they can concentrate exactly. on school. Or right. they can da, 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 da. So work is but this is a woman that doesn't have a lot of education. She doesn't mean she's not smart. Obviously, she's smarter than most people. Um, yeah, she's very smart. But she's she's in a new country. She probably yeah. doesn't speak the language that well yet. Um, but she is she's rising and grinding. She she got like three, yeah. four, five jobs, five hustles, but it's still not enough because America is expensive, right? Listen, and new America York. in the eighties will yeah. really fuck you up, you know? Like So she was like, How can I make some more money? Cause this ain't cutting it. So mm-hmm. in the early nineteen eighties. She uh-huh. got this idea to begin flying 
to get into the snakehead business. So she flew in a, a few snakes customers on commercial airlines. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And so like she, yeah, it was a lot of money, but she was making on average about 35000 per person. Holy shit. Which is $74,000 in today's money. That is a lot of money. Holy yeah. shit. And it's because, keep in mind, so she's doing it a lot mostly from people, she's helping people from her area in China to also, she has the contacts, she understands how to maneuver, she understands who, right. to, you know, you go here. And Chinatown, the Chinatown, the history of Chinatowns in America is very, very fascinating. But they have like this network where, you know, this is where you go to get a job. This is a labor pool. This is where you go yeah. and get a place to live, and, you know, yeah. and like, because they had to because of uh, racism. So- yep. Um, and anti-Chinese sentiments, especially, and, yep. or anti-Asian sentiments. So, so, but she's already connected. So they're like, well, if I go there, I'll be safe. She'll hook me up. And it was small at first. Like it was a couple of people and she would actually right. just fly them on the plane. Right. Again, she made about so how did today's she do money. that? Like, I don't even know. She it's about just... like, it's kind of like what her father did. Like you come yeah. here, you say you have a job and then you just stay. Because she's not offering them a green card. She's just offering no. them a way to get here. So they're not like, it's better than if they just got on a plane themselves. So she would bring them here and then she would um, she would hook them up with a job. So they didn't have to pay it all at once. And then they would pay her. Oh. It's basically labor, human trafficking. That's what that is. Yes. Because yeah. uh-huh. obviously they don't have $74,000. No, I wondered about that. Yeah. So oftentimes a family would put down about 5 to 10%. Okay. For them to get the, her to agree to be a customer. And then she, she takes care of the plane tickets. She takes care of the identification. She takes care of all of that stuff. Right. Okay. And yeah. then gets them here and is like, go here and work and then oh, pay me okay. every week. Right. So, yeah. Mm. So needless to say, even though it wasn't a lot of people at the time, she was making money. She went from making, cause I'm sure even having a small like store and a, yeah, uh, restaurant. She was not making that kind of money, and this is per I mean, person. This is how you become a modern day feudal lord. That's yeah, what she was. So okay. even if she did ten people, that's seven. That's seven hundred and forty thousand dollars. Wow, that's not a small amount of money. Yeah. So damn. Now this is the early eighties. Early eighties in New York City. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of foolishness going on. Crooked mm. cops, crime, mm-hmm. gangs, yep. all of it. The perfect yep. environment to start some foolishness of your own. Uh-huh. So, no one's looking. Um, They're busy. So she started doing this in the early 80s and she was living the hot life. She upgraded. <laughs> she was doing what she was like, got this. But in 1989, and she started working for, uh, so funny because one of the videos I watched was this guy named uh, Big Head. He was a, a former uh, gang member. He's so funny. Oh, shit. Uh, and he was he talked about the whole, the, the whole Cantonese versus Fujinese. He's Cantonese. And okay. he was just saying how, like, this is how he got to know her because basically he was sort of like a, uh, they, what do they call it? They call him, a, he was a, like a Dilo. A Dilo is like the head of like a local gang, like runs a crew. Okay. Uh, okay. So they basically are like, it'd be a shame if something, you know, went wrong with your with your <laughs> restaurant. Ooh. So that's how okay. she met him because he basically, and just keep in mind that these people were glad to pay because they're like, 
this is how I'm going to do business because this is how you do business okay. in other parts of like the a, world as well. It's like a tax. So, it's a tax. Exactly. So because yeah. they're the mob. It's a Chinese mob. Yeah, but, it is what it is. Um, so he so she said that he she came to him in the early 80s and he was like, mm, no, nah, I don't really do that kind of stuff. I don't need to. I don't need the money because I'm doing okay. great. So she started working uh, with a guy by the name of Ah K. And so they started doing this, like I said, since the early 80s. And then, but eventually in 1989, they were arrested while smuggling a customer via Canada. Oh. So she was arrested and she was sentenced to six years. But uh, some, some people say she talked to some authorities and she gave them some information. So she only got four months. I don't know if that's verified. Wow. It's kind of like, you know, because <laughs> they're thinking, again, this is an unassuming lady. Yeah. Oh, they're like, well, she's not like a crime boss. Like, right. I mean, this this tiny woman couldn't possibly have all of those skills. Yeah. Oh, just slap her on the wrist. Yeah. So she after four months, she gets out. But then she realizes I got to switch up my game. Like I got to like. So she's like, I can't be using uh, air anymore. So what about C? Yeah, but she so. used air for like eight years very successfully. Mm-hmm. Shocking. Yeah. Okay. So she's just like, okay, so I need to figure out another way. Yeah, this is not working. So she also needed, uh, if so that a boat is a whole different thing. Like a, a cargo, that's a whole different thing. So you need a lot more like. Uh, labor like you need a lot more help physical labor so right um she reached out to so through her connections because obviously everyone knows her by this time and they know what she does and like um and this is not frowned upon in the industry and in the community for the most part because it's like she's just helping people right okay um, right now um so so she like i said so she's like i gotta go by c i gotta figure this out so how can i do that so she started so she turned to um a local gang, um, a man by who worked at a local gang, Chinese gang, um, and the gang was called Fukqing, which Fukqing translated to Fujinese gang. So they were the Fujinese gang. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, So, and she was her people. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, and this gang was founded by Ken Fei Wong or Paul Wong and Kim Tai Chan. Now, unfortunately, in 89, Wong had Chan killed. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So. Oh, my. What, why? Do we know? So, some gang foolishness and okay. fighting. Okay. All right. So, the, to get the heat off, to change their, taxes, their tactics, they're like, oh, let's start to uh, uh, smuggling, snakehead business. So, because, again... Everybody was kind of doing a version of this. It's just like how small and how big. Right. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. it's kind of like the mob. Like there's prostitution, there's drugs, there's gambling, there's all kinds of stuff wrapped in. You got to do, you got to diversify, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Listen, Sal and I just watched Big Trouble in Little China. Yep. Again. And you're mm-hmm. just, you give me so many vibes. Yeah. That movie, by the way, is shockingly not as racist as one would expect. I, you know, I've been hesitant about watching it because I used to love that movie and I love Kirk. Uh, Go ahead. Russell, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm going to watch it again. So. I think you can. I think you just every you keep waiting for it. You're just like, obviously, this is the scene. Where, oh, no. But I think have, I have to ask an actual 
Chinese person? Pro- probably do that first. But I will yeah, say, Chinese American person. Yeah, the Kurt Russell, you know, admittedly plays the buffoon the entire time. Yes, he's an idiot, which is he, why I loved it. And everyone else is so much smarter than he is. <laughs> so at the very least, it's not a white savior situation, even though you keep thinking it's about to be. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, dumbass. What did he do that for? Okay. The Chinese people will save his ass again. You know, I mean, obviously don't take my very white word for it, but you know. Yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to it. Cause I I mean, considering every other movie from the eighties is horrific, you know, (laughs) you just have to be like, and sometimes you're you're surprised. Like it sometimes is actually more, uh, progressive than you think. But, um, so they're in fighting and they're like, uh, we gonna have to reorganize. So now the Fukching were connected to the American Association, which was basically, it was one of the uh, main tongues. So the tongues, uh, is basically the Bob, the Chinese. Okay. Bob. I feel like I've and heard of the, it. Yeah. It's tongues is the name for the, the individual groups because they okay. have different, like, uh, like the bloods and the crips. So the Got tongues it. are the different <laughs> ones. So, uh, now the, the the American Association basically controls all of them, so they all in agreement. It's kind of like the in the Italian mob, the family. So they're all in agreement. This is you. you right. This is the territory, and da, 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 unless there's infighting or they a civil war or whatever, right? Right. So they controlled um, all of the criminal activities emanating from the Fukunese province. So okay. the the crime came to stateside, like all the mob. It's the same thing, Italian mob. Like yeah. Russian mob, all of yeah. that. So Jewish mob, don't forget. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So she got in, she started working with them. And the the uh Fukching uh did things like they would take out uh CC cameras, um oh, they would uh do the collecting. So they would collect every week or every mm-hmm. however from the people who had who, you know, had been customers who were still paying off stuff. They would patrol the oh. neighborhoods. They keep Ooh. an eye on people trying to escape. Cause you would imagine people are like, well, I'm just going to go to Iowa and leave town. I mean, that's and, what I would do. You know, but it's, it's always, it's so interesting because on the one hand, if you're a recent immigrant and you don't speak English that well, you're like, this is great. I'm around my people. But on the other hand, it's kind of like a trap because you're trapped yeah. there. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a jail situation, yeah, like yeah. serfdom-ish. Yeah. Yeah. But you figure I, it's like indentured servitude, basically. Yeah, like, that's but what I'm it, pay that's it like, off. That's literally what that is. Yeah. I mean. So they, they, so they worked with her and they helped her. Um, now, like I said, in one interview, the, the former gang member by the name of Big Head, uh, he, he was active in Chinatown in the eighties through the nineties of sister Ping. He said she was a very nice person. He's like, she was not a gangster. She's very nice. She basically wanted to help her people from her village a lot. Um, And again, she knew he knew her because originally he collected from her when she had her restaurant on East Broadway and you know, she paid him protection money. Um, But then later on, one of his boys that worked for him, um, started liking her daughter. So okay. it's two young people sniffing around each other. So that's yeah. how, 
you know, and like I said, he said she was always so nice. So when she originally came to him, he turned her down because he's like, I don't need to get in this. He's like, why do you want to get in this? So he so she connected with AK, who they got arrested back in 89. Right. Uh, but later on, I mean, they remained friends. I think he would advise her because he knew okay. she was a businesswoman and he yeah. said he liked her um, because she she presented what she was doing as helping people. I mean, to it, I'm not saying she I mean, was, I, but mm. she was also charging them so seventy four thousand dollars. Like it's kind of like I will, I will teach you good exercises to make you better, and I genuinely want you to be better. And it's five thousand dollars an hour, right? So it's yeah. like also you have to pay it, or. Yeah bad things will happen. I just, I don't know like how helpful that is. Hmm. Cause I mean, make no mistake. If you were late or you couldn't pay, either you got a visit, your family member got a visit mm -hmm. or your family member back home got oh, a visit shice. and or. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like, I don't know again, like how, like, like, are we helpful? Is that the word we're looking for? I mean, that's why I thought this was such a fascinating story. So, yeah. uh, and a little bit more of what I'm going to get into. Um, so, um, so yeah, so let's get back to the story. So Big Head yeah. said that she, so she was like, I need to come up. I need to go by sea. So they went down to Florida and looked at a ship. And he was like, the ship was just, he's like, it was a mess. It was just like all rusted out. She's like, Oof. I'm going to buy that ship. And he's like, mm, yeah, oh. you know, he's like, can it even, does it even work? <laughs> right exactly like, I, and yeah. she's like no i'm gonna clean it up but i can buy it outright because again it's very lucrative she's like i can buy right. it outright um and that's basically what she did okay so um now this is how it worked when you were at the height of her her snakehead business so what so you would reach out you would notify her contacts in let's say uh Fujian, right? Okay, and right. you like you want to go. So either you or your family members come up with like 10%, right? Okay. Like I said. So you get a um instructions to go to um uh, a uh hold on. Yeah, you get instructions to go to a place, usually a train station, and then the train goes to um a another train and then a plane and then you get to Russia and then you get on a, a, a oh. boat and the boat goes around. So I'm going to get into exactly what the uh, the route that uh, the Golden Venture took. I'm going to get to that. But can you but even do basically. this in the winter? I'm just thinking they were doing it all like because okay. they're like because and also people are desperate and also you yeah. have a lot of customers. So yeah. once you got to the states, though. She used her contacts to place the customers or the snakes into jobs. So various jobs in restaurants. Okay. You know, these are not high paying jobs. So that's why it would take so long to pay off the debt. You'd basically be working for her mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. And like I said, most people, you would consider this enslavement. But, you know, a lot of people like were, that, were grateful, though, for the opportunity. Yeah. I guess it's like maybe that is better. But it's like that the American dream. Like, I don't think so. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, this this is what I was saying. What is the cost of the American dream, right? Like, like what, honestly, what is the American dream? Like, I don't know her. I don't. I, it's. I mean, I think it's there just is a some, dream. 
Well, I think we also forget because we are Americans that in a lot of societies, and I've even heard English people talk about this, that it's so difficult to go from one class to another in a yes. lifetime. But in America, you can do that. That That is true. That is true. It's just really, really hard. It's just not as easy or simple as people think it is, depending yeah. on your race, depending on your gender, depending on what state you live in. So Fievel thought that there were no cats in America. Oh, there are no cats in America, but there are cats in America. And, you know, it just is what it is. It is what so, it is. So I, I used to do my Fievel voice, but I won't do that I to you right Fievel, now. I'm looking Fievel for my like, family. Fievel. Oh, We're it. talking about an American tale. Tale, yeah. T-A-I-L. Let's see what That's they did so there. Cute. But okay. yes, go I on. Did. Sorry. So, um, so she, so basically, they would come here and they would start working right away. Okay. Now, so business was good, right? She was charging yeah. this, but in 1990, George Bush Senior offered oh, yes. legal status to those who lived in the U.S. at the time of the Tiananmen Tiananmen Square oh, incident. That's really nice of him. Wow. Look it up. It was like a student re uh, rebellion and then they like literally mowed them down in tanks. Like, I remember. So look this. it up. Listen, um, I'm that's this is why I say like, you know, I always say like, it's not that, you know, you, know, you hate everything Republicans do. I do. If they would do something that doesn't piss me off, then I would like it. This this doesn't piss me off. OK, here we are. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very like um, generous offer. It's also like compassionate after what happened, like because yeah. we were able to see yeah. some of these activities. Now, yeah, I you would think this would have the opposite effect, right? Because basically he's saying he's opening up uh, uh, people who who will be able to get legal status from China, right? So you right. think this would have the opposite effect on her business, but mm -mm, nope. No, really? It actually increased her business because <laughs> now with, instead of just being like, we can get you to the States, came the promise of the possibility of a green card at the end of the journey. Oh, and then they could threaten you and make you keep working for her, even though technically... Well, I mean, because you're like, it's not only that, you can then raise your prices. Oh, bitch. Okay. And because yeah. of this, it also ramped up the snakehead industry across the board and Chinatowns throughout the country. No kidding. So okay. snakehead business became, a, it hit a massive level after You know, that what I realized day. is that because they probably, most people couldn't afford to get here on their own. And exactly. set up shop and get a job. Exactly. That so it's sense. like it's yeah. like you're getting a high interest loan that's like yeah. exorbitant, <laughs> and it is um, exploitative, but it's also helpful. And when you're desperate, you're like, yeah. I'm going to take yeah. the chance. So now, unfortunately, this also had a chilling effect back uh, on some places back in China. At the time, in one story, uh, so many men, young men, left one small school in the small village that the village became known as Widow's Village. Oh, my God. Because now everyone's like, oh, I can get a green card. Let me use, let me go through the snakehead business. And it's like, but that's not true. But they don't know right. that you're going to try, yeah. right? Right. So, like I said, so it ramped up everything. So her voyage generally started in Beijing. So in Fujian, so you go to the train station okay. in groups of like 50 or 60 people. Dang. Okay. Then you take the train to Beijing. 
Okay. And then you go through Russia to Moscow. Okay. To an English port where the snakeheads were were there, you know, waiting to welcome you on the boat. They were serving food. It's kind of like a farmer's market. They were serving food okay. and like, and again, this is what you're paying for, right? So you know exactly where to go. Da da da. Um, right. It is said at the time that the prices went from about forty five to about fifty to sixty thousand a person, which is Oof. about a hundred thousand dollars in today's money, close to a hundred thousand dollars. That's crazy. So with these prices now, and then business, you have too many customers. Sister Ping really upgraded her life. So she went from driving a Tesla mm. to a Bentley, mm-hmm. uh, dripped in gold. But, yeah, uh, with the driver uh, driving her and massaging her at the same time. Yeah. She yeah. became rich, rich. Yeah. Um, and her reputation among the Chinese grew even more. But at the same time, cops were clueless. Because again, this woman. Tiny woman. They're like, you know, she also because white people tend to ignore non-white people. And they're like, yeah, eh. especially like I will say this is where the the uh, the stereotype of Asians being especially Asian women being. Um, uh, uh, yes. Demure. Like, demure and you know not aggressive mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. you know and all the time she is a boss bitch okay making <laughs> money okay a hundred thousand like, dollars a head think about that i i just like what do you even do i i have i do have an answer to that but like that is a lot of money that's Damn. a lot of money so you better put some of it away for went, bail i'm just saying okay <laughs> but basically she went notice she went under the radar um and she even uh possibly to launder some money but maybe just to maintain a cover she actually opened I mean, up you, legit businesses you gotta that's too much yeah. money yeah i so was breaking she, bad i know what you have to do okay laundromat oh no car wash she, car, car wash. wash so they wash the money get it i get it she opened up a clothing store a real estate company and a travel agency among uh, even like uh, buying property throughout the world, wow. all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Now, even though business was going well, the infighting in the Fuqing gang, just like all gangs, it just imploded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they started infighting. So she actually lost her security. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, and unfortunately, this is around the time where she needed it because the Golden Venture is making another voyage. So okay. by the time yeah. she, you know, she was set, set sailing and trying to do, you know, she needed help and she just lost it. But, you know, it's like business is business. Like, it's kind of like the show will go on. So, yeah. So the ship, the Golden Venture, like I said, it the people got on in Fujian, then they went through Russia, and then they went to an English port. So right. at the so at the port in Singapore, they would then go to this ship went from Singapore to Bangkok to Mombasa in Kenya to okay. Cape Town in South Africa to Brazil, Central America, and finally to North America to the United okay. States. Okay, that'll take like twenty five years. That's the longest boat ride ever. It took okay. 120 days, which is Oof. twice the amount of time that it took the pilgrims. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And that is why, and it was an old ship, so that is why it it ran ground in Queens, far Rockaway, Queens. So now we're back to the beginning of the story, right? Right. Okay. So 
all hell breaks loose. Um, and like, like I said, people, this, the guy was like, see what had happened was it's sister ping. It's all sister ping. <laughs> now people are like, eh, there were other big head, according to big head, there was, there weren't just sister pings people on the ship. There were other people's. She only had like 10 or 15 customers. This is according to big head. Okay. Uh, but they were all, you know, smuggling. So, right. um, so she, so around this time, so she, they bring her in for questioning and she, she leaves. <laughs> she escapes. What? She just leaves? She just leaves. Oh my God. Where'd she go? She went back to her small village in Fujian. Holy shit. And began With- business from that end. Damn, she took girl. She took her $9 billion in her pocket and walked away. Okay. Again, I think they underestimate her. They're like, oh, it's just huh. this unassuming Chinese woman. What, you know, so she left. They didn't think she had the cojones. So in 1994, she was invited to Beijing along with other overseas notables of Fujianese descent to celebrate an anniversary celebration of the Communist Party. Okay. While there, she was arrested. Yeah, that sounds like uh, a trap. Okay. But when she arrived... But according to police and friends, she paid the bribes and she was able to escape again. Yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) Yeah. So she basically just went back to to her village and just like, I'm chilling, but I'm going to continue business. Um, (laughs) And she did continue business. In fact, in 1998, another ship she was running capsized off the coast of Guatemala and it killed 14 uh, people on board. That's so Um, sad. Now you want to know how much they uh, they say she made about this time? Yes, I do. So they estimate the FBI and the NSA. Um, uh, hold on, let me see. They estimate that she made. Um, hold on, and you're looking it up. You're doing the math. Yeah, I, me- I meant to do it earlier. <laughs> uh, okay, so she made Matt forty million dollars. What the fuck? In 1998, that's almost $75 million in today's money. Jesus. I just want $1 million. Why is that so hard? <laughs> God. It's not fair. So, of course, they attempted to um, uh, capture her. They spent about five years trying to apprehend her. Uh, but again, she was in the mainland of China. It was hard to, you know, get into China. It's like, right. you know, they're like nah. and they're like, mm, China didn't have an extradition agreement, yeah. extradition agreement with the United States. So they're like, mm, no, uh, yeah, but, no, she's like, what you going to do? <laughs> but in 2000, Interpol searched a passenger's list for a flight from Hong Kong to New York and they found her son's name on it. Oh shit. So okay. more than 40 agents from Hong Kong, uh, waited at the airport, and that's they realized it was her. So they apprehended her at the at the airport. She was oh. fingerprinted and arrested. At the time, she was carrying three different passports, including a fake Belize one with her photo, but in the name yeah. of Lily Zing. Okay. And so she, this is a straight up like Jason Bourne, like this yeah, such a ping is gangster. Uh, so she she fought ex, uh, extradition. But she was eventually sent back because, of course, she could hire the best lawyers. She was eventually sent back to New York in 2003 and held at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn. Okay. 
So now after a trial jury in the United States, so she went to she went to trial in 2005. She was convicted on three separate counts, including one count of conspiring to commit illegal human smuggling, hostage taking, money laundering and trafficking and ransom uh, proceeds. And she was sentenced to 35 years in prison. Uh, I mean, she did do all of that. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I would say alleged, but she was, convicted. she was, de- she definitely was convicted. Now, okay. do you want to hear from Sister Ping? I herself? do. Yes. So in a 2013 interview, so this is what, eight years after, yeah, about eight years after she was convicted, uh-huh. um, she said in an interview, quote, being locked up for over 10 years allowed me to think about my previous life. My heart calmed down and I started to feel that jail was the safest place for me. I keep telling myself not to think much about the future and live life by the moment, end quote. Then she goes on to say, I cannot believe they jailed me for 35 years, 35 years. In a way, I was killed by the uh, FBI agents and the tainted witnesses. So, I mean, she's like, I did this, but 35 years and and bitches turn snitches. That's what basically she's saying. Okay, so like she started a feudal system in which people were essentially slaves to her. I mean, 35 years sounds not so bad. I'm just, this is my own personal opinion. You know, we're just saying. I, you know, it's so interesting. So I'm gonna get to that in just a second. So she died on April 24th, 2014 in prison from cancer. Uh, but she was surrounded by her family uh, at the fed- at the Federal Medical Center in t- in Carswell, Texas. Oh, okay. Now, when she was first arrested, and you know, it was all in the papers because everybody again, this this ship ran aground in Queens. Right. So, the opinions ran basically along what you would expect cultural lines. So, you know, the uh, the U.S. press was like this, you know, the smuggler, you know, t- terrible conditions, this human trafficking, you know, this human trafficker da, da, da. in Chinatown. The many of the Chinese champion her as a hero. Oh. And many of them said that she saved a, a whole she saved whole generations of people by getting them out of poverty. You know what? I just think she overcharged them. I think that's my biggest beef with the whole situation, yeah, honestly. Like I I can see both points of view for sure, but but especially just charge less, make your money. Like but I will say, knowing crime, I don't know it that well, but she can't <laughs> she can't charge too little. Because then no. that's a threat to the other snakeheads. But I, it, it's exploitative, certainly. It's exploitative. It's definitely exploitative. exploitative. Um, but I do see their point. Like, I do see their, yeah, I see um, you know, they actually praised her as an immigration hero. And they often spoke kind words about her. They said that she gave to charity. Um, according to reports after she died. Yeah. Thousands of people attended her funeral procession along East Broadway on May 23rd of 2014 as it proceeded to the Bofuk Funeral Home on Canal Street. Her body was laid to rest at the uh, Canesco Cemetery in Valhalla, New York. So they came out to support her um, because, again, they feel like uh, foreigners 
in a strange land and she was at least looking out for them. Now, again, let's let's not gloss over if you were late uh, right. or you couldn't pay. You know, you know what I'd, I'd, I'd want to know? I'd want to know how long did it take the average right. person what, to pay off the debt? And what were the threats? Like what, ha- you know, like I would want to know, like if you were late, did a family member die because you were late? Or did they just say, hey, you have another or hey, well, you know, like how nice were they? Or did you they know, garnish your wages and then house you in like like a like a a warehouse to live? So they garnish all of your wages. I mean, but seventy four thousand dollars. You know, if you're making minimum wage, what is that? That's that's going to take you like I mean, four or five years, right? That's more than four or five years. If you're making minimum wage, it's taking because you got to eat. You ten right? to fifteen years. You got to eat. You've got to live. Your kid you needs to eat, shoes. but that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> you if you're like, housed, if you're housed upstairs, right? So, with her connections, if she knows people who are housing these people, like they're basically sleeping in one room, um, right. and there's one or two bathrooms, uh, and you do that because I, I would imagine people being like, "Okay, it's worth it." So I'll do this for three or four years, right? Is that is, is that what's happening, or is it like right. you can go and find your apartment, and then we just come and break your arm? Like, is that what's happening, right? Like, and that that's my thing. And I think it does make a difference because I understand that the world is muddy and we live in the world of gray areas. And sometimes you are saving people from horrors by bringing them to a world that's less horrible and maybe some hope. However, you and I know that there are ways to have um, grace and kindness uh, within this world and was there grace and was there kindness? Like maybe. And it sounds like it was, I think that if she, if she or her enforcers got rough, I think it seems like the people understood like, well, you got to pay up motherfucker. Like, right. But for the most part, they were grateful for the opportunity at a better life. Right. However, I mean, it sounds you know, like dangerous. It. Like, yeah, that, like, I mean, what happened tells us that, overall it was it she was very helpful um and not horribly cruel like yeah i think it might be in comparison because i would imagine like what we're seeing what's going on now with you know immigration and you know how people are being treated in these uh detention centers like i would imagine that like of the snakeheads who were operating she probably was the kindest one. And perhaps you didn't sure. have to worry about her men raping you or I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Right. Or not, but like her people, like she's going to make sure you're taken care of. And she's not into like un, un, unnecessary force or humiliation or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, threats. It could be that. And that's why they say, oh, she was a nice lady, you know, because it's in comparison with other snakeheads. You know, that so. is a very good point as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like now since her death, smuggling and human trafficking, I mean, that's basically what we call it nowadays. Yeah. hasn't slowed down. It no. is a big business. It's, big business. It's, it's problematic. All yes. over the world. The drug cartels don't really run it like, but oftentimes they'll take a commission for safe travel, like through South America, Central America. <laughs> um, 
basically human trafficking uh, is very, very lucrative, even for the women who get into it. Now, it's so popular, even during this time and still now, that there's another woman by the name of Jen Ping Chen, uh, who also went by the moniker of Sister Ping, oh. who was operating in the 1990s in the UK. Oh, and my God. Okay. They estimated that British Sister Ping smuggled about 250,000 Chinese Holy shit. Into, into Europe. Jesus, that's a lot yeah. of people. That is a lot of people. It also shows you the money. Obviously, we know. And usually when I think of traffic, I think of, you know, sexual trafficking. But labor yeah. trafficking is also huge as well. Yeah, I guess. Um, and but I just thought that she was just a fascinating um Sister Ping was a fascinating character because it's like, is she notorious? Because she, you know, obviously she was convicted no and she idea. did something illegal. Yeah, she. Or yeah. is she notorious because she was misunderstood by the mainstream American media because she was a Chinese woman, a Chinese immigrant? Right. You know, what my guess is, my guess is she was. You know, it's not great. The situation's not great, but she was better than many others and mm -hmm. if you had if you felt like you can't continue here you're in a very dangerous impoverished way she was the best one to go through yeah i feel like I would, that's probably yeah. the case it's somewhere in between yeah and she's like i might as well get paid while i'm doing right. it because she made 75 million dollars that's like, fucking crazy oh my god that like i was like i'm in the wrong business you know what uh, i'm saying <laughs> I keep so, like paying my taxes and, you know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to go to jail. So I'm paying my taxes. No, but uh, pay all my bills. <laughs> so I mean, like I have jobs that are legal. I mean, it's just it's I don't know if this is working for me, Lavetta, honestly. No, but, that's, that's that's my thing. Like we talk about the American dream. I yeah. just always remember that that uh, I don't know if it's based on fact, but I just thought it was a great scene in the Andrew Cunanan uh, story that uh, Ryan Murphy did where his father, his father's a, a Filipino man. Yeah. And he got into like, he's like, I want to get into trading, you know, in the 1980s. And he's married to this white lady. He has these biracial kids. And, you know, he's like the, the you know, the, the American dream. And like, according yeah. to him, he got this job at this brokerage firm and he's making all this money. And it turns out it was all like, a scam. He wasn't making all this money. And then he finally says, the actor who plays him is so great. He says to his sons, like, the American dream is a lie. Like, it's not possible to just come and work hard. You have yeah. to be lucky. You have to yeah. be connected. Um, and is this just a woman who came here and realized that working hard is not enough and was like, I'm going to yeah. have to figure out how to skip the line. Like, do you know when the American dream can work? When? When our country allows for programs that help poor people. Mm -hmm. That yep. is like my father went to a very good university that was yep. free for New yep. York City residents. If it was yep. not 100% free, he couldn't have gone to it. He couldn't have gone to it. And that is the thing. Like that is what yeah. we talk about with social programs. Like, so yeah. you don't have to be worth $75 billion, a million dollars right. to send your kids to the best schools. Like you can right. come and work and then you can get a job at uh, 
Zara, you can get a job mm-hmm. at da da da, and you can make a livable wage, you and your husband. Yeah. And together you can make, you know, a solidly middle class income. Yeah. And if and you want a further kids- education, maybe you can go, maybe there are some community colleges that don't cost so much money. A lot money. of money. Right. right? And Ed- you can education, send your Educational resources. And you can send your kids to public schools that are mm-hmm. properly funded. Right. And they can get a good education. And go- that that is what we are striving for. But yeah. there are, there's one faction, not to get too political, that mm. doesn't mm-hmm. want that. Is think, there? Oh, it's just a handout. It's just a handout. What is there? I thought we all were in agreement. I don't understand. Well, Girl, don't even get me started. Anyway, mm-hmm. that is Sister right, King. <laughs> and she that wraps up. Amazing. Thank you. Oh, I'm glad. Well, and that, uh, she was amazing. She really and this was. was an amazing episode. And thank you guys for joining us. That, that, that wraps it up for this episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Uh, as always, what do I say? Remember uh, to follow us on mm-hmm. all the things. All the things. All the things. Uh, also, you can to you if you'd like to support us financially, so we don't have to do what Sister Ping did. Uh, yeah, thank you. You can uh, mm-hmm. help us out with some cash. You can uh, do that by going to patreoncom slash women. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash women. You can also, if you don't, if you don't have a little moolah, you can also give us a five star rating. Yeah, that's in the free. App store. That's free. You can follow us. Also, we are, by the time this comes out, we should have our YouTube um, yes. channel that's going to be up. Uh, give us a little time. We're still uploading all the episodes, but you can go there and subscribe. That will really help us out a lot. Um, and also, like, leave a message. Tell us how you like these episodes or who you'd yeah. like us to cover. You know, mm-hmm. like, give us some, some suggestions. Uh, we so appreciate you guys listening to us and allowing us to do this. Because, I mean, I'm learning stuff. I had never heard I know. of it. Like, Dang, I know. I, I didn't know all, I didn't know any of what you said. <laughs> like, me either. All of that was like new information. It was amazing. It was so great. So, you guys are helping us to become smarter and me not to, um, feel like I'm just getting dumber as the years go on. But right? uh, anyway. Our brain cells are growing, not shrinking. Okay. Exactly. Uh, and uh, Miriam, how else can they find a Notorious Women podcast? I'm so glad you asked me that question. Um, our email is notoriouswmpod at gmail.com. Uh, send us your questions, your thoughts, anything. And our Instagram is the easiest thing on the planet. It is Notorious Women Podcast. Come, join, follow, enjoy. I have a good time there. You should too. Yeah, she's I do. Great. I really she's do. killing it. <laughs> she's killing it, guys. Go ahead and show Miriam some love because she is single-handedly responsible for how good it is. So, Really? Thank you very much. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. You are killing it, and I so appreciate you doing that. Um, and we appreciate you guys, and yes, we, we will do. see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.